Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. There is a place where time stands still. Where nature is harsh and demanding. Where only the quick and the strong and the deadly can survive. This place is no place for civilized man. All you've got to do now is pass the Australian culture test. Three simple questions, three correct answers, you and you together? go through that doorway to the greatest little country in the world. And of course you do. And you're on uh, Showreel with Annie. We're uh, going to be talking about uh, Australian film industry. Coming up this uh, Easter weekend is going to be Marxism to 2019. And, uh, of course, there wouldn't be a Marxism conference, I reckon, without the undertone of film. So uh, we're going to talk to Liam Ward about what's on offer. So just hold on. Liam. You there? Hi, Annie. Yes, I'm here. Yeah, good. Uh, tell me, uh, tell me what's uh, going to be happening film-wise at Marxism. Uh, well, as you mentioned, it, I agree. It wouldn't be Marxism of year without the uh, without the undertones of film. Traditionally, we've done um, a sort of adjunct uh, film uh, film festival, the Radical Reels Film Festival. This year, we've kind of bundled it all up together. So the film festival is now you don't have to buy a separate ticket or anything. It's all bundled in. And the film festival is now called Border Crossings. We've actually given it a theme. So all of the films we're screening uh, uh, pick up the, the overarching theme of this year's Marxism conference, which is, of course, you know, that we're living in a world where walls and borders and fences and border controls, uh, you know, and, and the deaths and pain and misery that they cause are um, very much a feature of the landscape and really pose some of the vital, most important questions uh, for, for humanity today. So... So the films we're screening uh, are all about that theme. Oh, well, it's interesting because I was thinking that uh, having uh, Song for Selva by Liz Thomas as a lead-in to the program this morning was a perfect segue to The it Borders was, Crossing. Yeah. yeah. Um, the uh, Your film is going to be shown, which is uh, going as taking back uh, us back to an earlier part in Australian history. Uh, I love the title, Do Nothing and Do It Well. That's, I love the title too. <laughs> that's a, that's <laughs> Very a really elegant. question for me to take a moment to explain the title. So the um, uh, the film was made as part of my PhD at RMIT, so it's been sort of eight years in the making. And uh, it looks at history of Chinese workers uh, in Australia, um, you know, at the turn of the last century, um, particularly their political organising and, and union organising. And uh, really it... it attracted me as a topic because, um, you know, I'm, I'm sort of fascinated by Australian history, obviously, as, as so many activists are, uh, but the existing kind of accepted explanations of the roots of the white Australia policy in particular never sort of satisfied me as, as a rationale. And what I mean by that is uh, that most standard accounts would say 
uh, you know, they look at the they look at the genuine and real racism of the union movement at the time, and they say, well, this proves that uh, that the white share policy was somehow a product of the labour movement. Which, yeah, I never found that satisfying because it kind of lets the British Empire off the hook, you know, as if the colonial ruling classes were this kind of bastion of, of um, inclusiveness, of anti-racism, yeah, and that, you know, <laughs> somehow you know, shoehorned into this by by you know trades hall, uh, uh, and they, and that gave them the great capacity to enslave people from right across the world. Oh yeah, it did like everywhere the British Empire <laughs> went, they established these apartheid regimes. So, yeah, and don't speak your own language. Exactly, and they're still doing that now. You know, I mean, the, the um, some of the stuff that came out of the two thousand six two thousand seven intervention and the ongoing, um, you know, apartheid system in the in the Northern Territory has been a um, you know a crackdown and repression of people being able to learn their own languages. So it's still happening. Um, but yes, but, but the but the the Chinese workers because the other thing that I didn't like about that standard account of history was that it rested on this racist stereotype of the, of the Chinese workers themselves that they were somehow passive anti-union, you know, work for a dollar a day and, and undermine other workers. Yeah, yeah. Which is a frankly racist and offensive stereotype. And in fact, the history is replete with with amazing uh, examples of organising and struggling and, and resistance and even revolutionary organisations. Uh, uh, before you, know, you go on go on with that, and we'll continue with that, it was very interesting because I went to a TWU uh, rally thing or convoy thing not about two weeks ago and uh, one of the um, blokes there, an older bloke that I was talking to, said, oh, I'm really worried about, you know, the uh, uh, our um, way of life being undermined by people who are com- workers coming from other places because they don't hold the same views about equality and fairness. And uh, and I said to him, actually, if you look at uh, what's been going on in the uh, uh, agricultural areas, for example, you always find I've been to many uh, firebrand conversations that people who have stood up and demanded toilets and demanded p- proper pay and Indeed, you tell yeah. you tell us when we finish work and these That's people right. are all from other uh, groups of people you know they're not from uh, Anglo Celtic backgrounds yeah uh, that's right we just yesterday we had the um, you know the big trades hall uh, you know change the rules rally and uh, I spent quite a bit of time as I always do on those events uh, chatting with the NUW farm worker organisers and 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 the rank and file delegates and as you say there's people from Vietnam Malaysia Cambodia you know Tamils all sorts of people who have come here and who are working in some of the the most kind of highly exploited and dangerous work. You know, a lot of the time their employers are literal gangsters, um, and yet they're organising and struggling and fighting. The rest of us could learn something if we had half of the courage and half of the organising capacity uh, that these migrant farm workers in Victoria have been displaying over the last 12 months. Well, as I said to the man, we all feel pain. Yeah. (laughs) And we all bleed. And we all have an interest in organising together. Yeah, exactly right. And so you were saying that uh, you found that in uh, looking at that earlier period uh, of Chinese workers in uh, Victoria, it was in Victoria really that you were Mm -hmm. talking about, isn't it? Uh, In that 1880s period, that actually there was quite a lot of uh, action going on. Heaps, heaps, particularly amongst the furniture makers. And I mean, this is, on one one level, this is not, that in, a, in and of itself is not a new discovery. It's um, it has been documented about by a number. Of, yeah, well, not so much documented, but sort of written about. Um, you know, as a filmmaker, I have a different <laughs> definition of documented. Part uh, yeah. of the point that certainly this stuff had never been shown on screen before. Uh, so there's that, but also I think uh, not just that it hadn't been shown on screen before, but that the broader picture 
has never really been touched on that the that the furniture makers well I should say these Chinese furniture makers in Melbourne between, between the 1880s and up to sort of the 1910s were far more uh, militant and organised than the white furniture makers in Melbourne at the same time. Oh, interesting. Had a series of massive strikes and at some points were actually gaining wages that were higher and better conditions uh, than their white counterparts. So, I mean, really, these people should be celebrated. These, these workers, these comrades should be remembered and celebrated as, as heroes of our movement. But they've been neglected and overlooked. So this film was partly about... Uh, you know, uh, rediscovering these forgotten heroes, and that's that title, "Do Nothing and Do It Well," is this was the slogan of one of their strikes, which I just think should have gone down in history as you know the best or one of the best strike slogans that our movement has ever come up with: "Do Nothing and Do It Well." It's just fantastic. And uh, if people were listening last week, or if they want to go back to the podcast, I was. Uh, uh, playing Gabrielle Brady, who was the uh, director, filmmaker, who made uh, Island of Hungry Ghosts. And oh, yeah. Yes. And um, this leads into my next question, which is that she used a, uh, a range of uh, elements in order to fuse together uh, uh, what is effectively a documentary about the experience of uh, refugees on Christmas Island and the whole Christmas Island milieu, you obviously did not have uh, footage of those strikes uh, or even in the capacity to, say, interview uh, the uh, striking workers from that period. So your film must have come up with some really interesting methods to get the information and the emotions across in a filmic form. Uh, well, I hope I hope so. That's certainly that's what I was trying to achieve. Yeah, you're right. I had these practical barriers, um, and I was trying to achieve something that would, uh, you know, c- convey the experience of these workers, but also, um, you know, something that's kind of visually stimulating and, and, and interesting to watch and uh, compelling. So the, yeah, compelling indeed. <laughs> that's the uh, word. That's the word I was fishing for. Hmm. Um, so yeah, the, the film ended up uh, sort of becoming. A bit of a it uses a lot of archival um, photographs and newspaper clippings uh, to sort of you know create a sense of the times and and some reports from the newspapers about the actual strikes and stuff. Uh, but the film itself adopts this sort of two-handed you know it's like a, a, a two-handed film. So there's, there ends up being two narrators. One of them is a fictionalized narrator. He's he's a Cantonese-speaking um, ghost of one of the furniture makers. I felt like the film needed um, it needed that partly because, as you say, that they, they, there's, there's no first-hand sort of um, you know oral history that you can sort of draw on easily. Uh, that's, uh, there's some there's some qualifications of that which I might try to come back to anyway. Uh, so that so he becomes one of the narrators, and then it's interwoven with my own narration, which is trying to put this stuff in the history of my family, my family's involvement in the labour movement. Um, and, and going through the generations down today, you know, my great grandfather was one of the shearers, the great shearers from the eighteen nineties, uh, involved in the big strikes, mm. and um, by all intents and purposes, by all accounts, sorry, was um, also quite racist, you know, and supported the white Australia policy. And so, to look at everyone down that side of my family up until my even my older brother has been, you know, my older brothers have been members of the Labor Party. I was sort of the first person right down that side of the family never to join that party, and. Um, but still, you know, today a union activist, union delegate, 
and um, my own family now, my, my nieces and nephews are all Asian Australians. That's hilarious. It is, and it, it's sort of a microcosm. In a good way. In a good way, yeah, and a sort of microcosm of, of the changes that the working class in this country have, have undergone in the last hundred years in general, you know, and so I, I figured it was worth including a bit of my family story and kind of weaving that in with the story of these, these Chinese workers and try to fish out from that a broader analysis about how anti-Chinese racism in Australia functions and how it's related to both the colonial project but also the, you know, how, the, how the union movement was, you know, for better or worse, you know, I mean, the other thing, of course, is that there was always opposition to racism inside the union movement and there always has been, you know, there's always been a left that have fought this stuff and most of the times we lose but we, we're still there, you know, and, and that's a history that needs to be accounted for as well. Yeah, that, that idea that uh, working class people have more in common with each other than uh, the differences. Exactly. Yeah, I just remind listeners that they're uh, here. They're on. They're listening to Three CR and it's Show Real, and it's a look at uh, Australian film industry culture. And uh, we're talking to Liam Ward, who is the curator, and he's a filmmaker. He's a curator of what is Border Crossings Stream in the upcoming Marxist Conference, which is during the uh, Easter weekend. It starts on yep. Thursday night and goes to through to, to Sunday or does it go to Sunday Monday night. as well? Sunday night. Sunday, Sunday night. night, yeah. So it's a big deal and yeah. uh, it's got lots of speakers. But uh, And we've been concentrating on your film, Do mm-hmm. Nothing and Do It Well, which is a great title, as I said. Um, but there are other films around as well, aren't there? There are. We're screening six films at the conference, so there's five other ones. Uh, we'll be screening Undermined, Tales from the Kimberley. Oh, that's by... great. It's, oh, yeah, people, it we, talked, we talked to the fellow uh, who had to it do was. with that. Uh, and uh, people had asked me, where could you see it? Well, you can well, see it there. Uh, yes, on Good Friday at 4.15pm at the VCA, as part of Marxism 2019, we will be screening uh, Undermined Tales from the Kimberley. As you say, an amazing film, very important film, uh, looking at the impact of, of the mining boom in particular on the Kimberley and on the, um, the traditional owners there, you know, the Bardi people, the Imadawara people. Um, yeah, a very important film. And, of course, you know, the, the mining boom, that we've that Australia had just went through was, you know, the biggest sort of sustained boom in the history of capitalism, and most of us got nothing out of that. You know, all of that yeah. money, all of that was wrenched out of the earth and put into the hands of very rich and powerful people, uh, and of course it all somewhere came else, place, somewhere else, yeah. <laughs> and of course it all came from, you know, in, in Aboriginal land. It all came from that in the first place, and so it's a very important story to tell. In fact, but, I'd have yeah. to say that it was probably the end, res- uh, the end product of. The intervention, really? In some ways, yeah, that's true, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that's Undermined. Uh, the other films that we're screening, uh, we're screening the classic uh, uh, Herbert Bergman film, Soul of the Earth, from 1954, which is, of course, I mean, I'm sure listeners to this program are aware of it. It's uh, one of the classic pieces of, an outcome of the of the blacklist, really. No, no, t- explain it. Go on, explain it. So, uh, of course, during the 50s, well, actually started in the 40s, one of the sessions I gave at Marxism 20-something 20, 20 a few years ago was about class struggle in Hollywood, and I spoke yep. to you about that then. And that was fantastic, that talk. Oh, thank you. Um, but that kind of traced some... Uh, of just to remind people that the Academy Awards is really a um, strike-breaking um, effort by the uh, producer class. Yeah, that's how it... That's how it that was the take-out of that. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, and one of the... Um, uh, you know, the, 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 during the Cold War... Of course, there's a massive sort of crackdown on 
um, anyone who's deemed to be, you know, well, not even radical, but you know, in any way, kind of progressive or left leaning, or humanist in Hollywood, you know, or humanist, wanting proper yeah. pay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so yeah, well, that's true too. Like an industrial assault on the Hollywood trade unions mm. uh, and a smashing up of really the strongest, the strongest unions that Hollywood had ever seen, the CSU, uh, and of course, the, then following on from that, the blacklisting of, um, you know, a whole generation of, of artists and filmmakers who who had their lives and careers destroyed and could never work again. A number of and, and giving a boost to the mainstream propaganda of the uh, ruling class. Yeah, indeed. as a consequence. Yeah, indeed. And so, a number of those blacklisted filmmakers uh, found themselves crossing the border instead of fitting into our stream of border crossings, uh, crossing the border down into Mexico, where they might be able to find work as filmmakers. And they made, of course, the famous film Salt of the Earth, which is based on a true story of um, of an actual strike in one of the mining towns there. Uh, and focuses particularly on the women involved in that strike, the role the, the women workers played, uh, and it actually stars those women playing, essentially playing themselves in a sort of dramatised account of what they did. Um, it's an amazing film, even even now, 60-something, whatever years it is later, uh, a really amazing piece of cinema and certainly something that if you haven't seen it, people should get along. Uh, Wh- when's that, Owen? That's on the Saturday afternoon. Mm-hmm. We're also screening uh, a film called Stop the Boats, The Real Story of Operation Sovereign Borders. Now, this one was made by Yardstick Films, which is based in the UK and Germany, uh, and has screened at a number of festivals over there. Uh, and it follows... It's about... It's, it's trying to uncover what's, what's really going on in Australia's kind of hidden, uh, you know, under that shroud of secrecy of Operation Sovereign Borders, what's actually happening out there in the oceans. And it tries to trace... Um, the journey of some refugees from Indonesia to New Zealand. Uh, so parts of the film were made in New Zealand as well. It's mm. really path-breaking film. They had to do a lot of secret shooting in very kind of repressive um, circumstances where their lives were actually in danger. Yep. Um, and and uh, we're very lucky in that session. We'll be having... We'll be introduced by um, a Tamil activist called Umesh Perambayagam, who it was New Zealand-based and is now based in Melbourne. Mm. Um, but he actually helped those filmmakers... He Make that in film, the, in the, yeah, in the New Zealand section of it. Yep. Um, so we're very lucky to have him uh, there, who are introducing the film. So that's on the Saturday evening. Evening, yep. Uh, so you could actually go to Marxism and just watch films. But anyway, go on. <laughs> you could do that. Uh, <laughs> it would be worth all, it. Yeah. Well, well, there's six of them across the conference, so you could do some other things around. You know, there's other amazing sessions and, and a thousand people also. To, to oh yeah, no, no, no. It, it is quite a remarkable it. affair. The whole it thing is, is quite a remarkable event, affair. Yeah. Anyway, we've got two more uh, to go. Two more to go. Yeah. Uh, Fire at Sea, which is the Gianfranco Rossi film from 2016. It actually screened at MIFF uh, then, but people might have missed it. You know, sometimes these films screen at MIFF, and if you're not there on the day, it's gone. It's I know, an and it, that's a big film. program as well. So It is, yeah. Um, Fire at Sea is an amazing film. It won a swag of awards at the Berlin Film Festival in 2016, uh, including, the, including the Golden Bear. Oh, um, that's pretty impressive. It's, it's a big deal, yeah. I mean, Gianfranco Rossi's up there with a handful of filmmakers who just have been dominating the European Film Festival award circuit for the last sort of 15 years and uh, an amazing filmmaker. And this film uh, uh, is based on a particular island off the coast of Sicily and it's looking at the um, the dangerous journey journey across the Mediterranean, you know, people mm. fleeing for a better life uh, in Europe from, from uh, North Africa and, um, yeah, the sort of horror that they're enduring. Yeah, yeah. And what's yeah. the last... The last one is called The Golden Dream, mm-hmm. which is uh, Diego Cometa Diaz's uh, debut fe- feature film from a few years ago. It's a sort of 
road movie, a kind of dramatized account with these of a you know semi true account of um, these young these young men who are who are trying to get across the Mexican border into the U.S. Uh, they're from Guatemala. Uh, that's right. and they're doing that yes. whole sort of journey up through Central America uh, to try to get across that border. Uh, and all, this was also a highly awarded and, and um, acclaimed film that won um, the special jury prize, or eight, one of the one one of the big one of the special prizes at Cannes in 2013. So again, uh, another amazing film. It, I mean, it's uh, interesting because there's uh, some speakers that you've got. Uh, um, at the conference, who are actually Americans, who uh, and they are in that particular space, aren't they? The uh, the whole yeah, thing, yeah. Definitely. One of our one of our big guest speakers from the US is a guy by the name of Justin Akashisan Chacon, yeah. who um, is has been uh, doing a lot of important activism and writing uh, about um, uh, about uh, for a long time actually about um, the kind of border crossings, I guess, from Mexico into the US, but also the the lives and struggles of uh, undocumented migrants in the U.S. as well. Um, and we'll have a lot to say about what is increasingly... I mean, bloody hell, Trump was on the news just yesterday going on about his bloody wall again. You know, this is this is certainly the issue of the year. And um, and I think it's an important one. And, of course, it resonates here, as I said at the start of this interview. You know, these walls, these borders are becoming more militarised and are crisscrossing the earth. And, um, and it's certainly a question that, that we all need to grapple with. I think if I can just take a moment... On the issue of borders and crossing them, or not being allowed to cross them, uh, the two of our guest speakers for this year have been uh, refused visas by the Australian government. One of them is Remy Kanazi, who's a Palestinian, yeah, a Palestinian poet. Yeah, a Palestinian poet, you know. And my auntie, uh, when she heard that, had a great little quip. She said, "Well, you know, you're in trouble when they start locking up the poets." Yeah. I thought that's so true. <laughs> you know, te- what have they got? They're, te- they're scared of poets, you know. Uh, but they're also, of course, and those words, those barbed words. Yeah, that's right. And but they're also, of course, scared of Palestinians, and so yeah. Palestinian poets is their worst nightmare. Uh, so we are running a, an online petition and, and a bit of a campaign to try to get his visa reinstated, so that we can actually hear uh, firsthand from a Palestinian activist, a Palestinian fighter, um, and someone who you know shouldn't be silenced. And of course, the other well, the other one that people might not know of is that we had scheduled. Uh, a visit at the conference to hear from um, the Thai journalist oh. and political dissident Somyot Brooksaka Samsuk, who had spent seven years in jail. Uh, he was publishing. He published a, um, or he was the publisher of a, a pro-democracy magazine in Thailand for many years, and he published two anonymous articles calling for democracy, and was jailed for seven years for refusing to rat on the people who authored those. So he's a man of deep principles, you know, a genuine fighter for democracy and deeply principled figure. And he was knocked back. His visa was knocked really? back. And this is, it's scandalous because in wow. their, um, in their, in their, you know, their explanation about why they were knocking his visa back, well, they said it was because of his criminal charges. <gasps> oh, I mean, how outrageous. Outrageous, scandalous ruling from the Australian Immigration Department. The problem we have is that his visa, he does have, it seems to be a di- bit different from Remy Kanazi's situation. With Somyot, he does have an avenue to appeal, but the... Um, and it's very close, take, too, though. Yeah, How long is it so going to take? It's so many weeks or so many months that, he, for all intents and purposes, they've scuppered his tour. You know, we've had to cancel his speaking engagements because of this, uh, and it's scandalous that in their, that in their report they dared to re- reference his so-called criminal charges or criminal convictions uh, as, a, as a freedom fighter and someone who actually challenges uh, military dictatorships and fights for democracy, and, and in the eyes of the Australian Immigration Department, that makes him a criminal. 
it's absolutely scandalous. Yeah. Um, so um, people can actually link um, to these uh, uh, to the petitions on the. Marxist 2019 webpage. We have a link to the Remy, the petition for Remy. We're still, we're still, you know, busting our chops to get Remy in here. We're still yeah. not. We've basically had to resign ourselves to the fact that we're not going to hear from him this time. Um, but yes, they can find the petition for Remy uh, on our Marxism website, which is marxismconference.org. Thank and you. And of course, they can find all the details about our films. Yeah, well, that's right. That's that's why that was my clever way of getting people to actually <laughs> have a look because it's a pretty impressive program, and it's got all the ticket prices, which are yep. also pretty impressive. You know, yep. as in not uh, um, overweening. And no, they're uh, really not. They're quite cheap. You know, the you could you could get in there and see the whole weekend for one hundred and twenty bucks if you were so inclined, and that's um, that's not bad for three and a half days of amazing political conversation, discussion, films, and activism. Thanks very much for taking the time to talk to me. Thanks for giving me your time, Annie. Thanks. Uh, So that was Liam Wood. And uh, yes, Marxism 2019, great selection of films. Coming up next is Published or Not. And uh, yeah, I... Oh, maybe I'm finishing a little bit early because uh, all the different clocks are all saying different things. Uh, But anyway, uh, we might go out with a song that I uh, used to play because I just loved it. And now, because it's long enough to fill in the space. How can it be permissible? She'll compromise my principles Yeah Yeah, yeah That kind of love is mythical She's anything but typical Yeah Yeah, yeah She's a crazy endorse She's a powerful force You're obliged to conform when there's no other cause She used to look good to me, but now I find her She's simply irresistible Yeah, yeah She's simply irresistible Uh Uh-uh She's so fine, there's no telling where the money went She's simply irresistible You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.